Monday, January 16th, 2023. Holy Commutes is the only daily morning podcast dedicated to all things Wolf of Ball. I'm Paul Cook, joined by my brother Tim for our third and final Monday episode of the uh, January 2023 Holy Commute season. Um, full disclosure, I, 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 both you and I, Tim, until about 45 minutes before this, I think we forgot that we even had to do an episode today. Uh, so we're going to kind of so we're gonna kind of just wing this one, um, uh, and we'll 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 see how it goes. <laughs> uh, we, we, we don't really know what we're gonna talk about, so we'll just kind of, uh, um, yeah, we'll 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 just kind of wing it. Um, you know, again, I, I think uh, in the little preparation we did for this, uh, we you know we talked just about you know maybe telling some stories and stuff about. Um, you know, different, different people, different, you know, sort of characters we've met in the football world throughout the years and just different stories involving us and whatever. Like, that, that's one of the great things that, like, and I tell this to people, I, I'm, you know, I'm interested in what your thoughts on this are, Tim. Like, I tell this to people when I'm trying to describe Wiffleball to them that, like, a lot of people talk about the Wiffleball community. For some reason, I've got, like, a... Some reason I've got a negative connotation when people say Wolfball community, just because I, I I kind of feel like throughout the years sometimes that's been used sort of you know manipulatively, kind of you know what I mean, kind of like a, yeah. as an excuse for not doing certain things. Of hey, we're a community, we're just all supposed to you know, you know get along, we're all supposed to accept whatever we're given. But that is the appeal to it, you know. I think to basically everyone that plays and us too that like um, you do get to meet a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of legitimately cool, good people, and then just a lot of you know characters too that are just you know off the wall, whatever. And there, there is there is a real sort of like that is a lot of the appeal to you know I think to people that play, and it's it's one of the hard it, it's it's weird things. It's one of the hardest things I think for us to like sell, you know, as like promoters, right. like you know this, but like so much of the appeal is hey, get in a car, drive two or three hours with your friends, you know, have a fun road trip get to the fields, get to play this goofy game, get to be around other people that are, you know, like-minded or not like-minded, like you have a fun time doing, doing a bunch of stuff, doing an athletic endeavor. Also, you know, just being around other people and then, you know, and then whatever your experiences are on your drive home, like it's, it's that kind of experience that makes it cool. Um, you know, it's, just, it's, it, I think it, I don't think it's unique to wiffle ball, but I think it's, it is unique to wiffle ball in a certain way too. I, I I do think it's unique to wiffle ball. I mean, you look, you know, okay, it's baseball, then softball, then probably two or three other, or at least two other things, and then there's wiffle ball. Like, you know, if you become good at this or, you know, love it or you just become so good at it, you know, it's, it's right. not something that you're probably having common <laughs> with a lot of people. And just by virtue of that, you're just – it's you know it doesn't guarantee anything but you know it it lends itself to 
you know, meeting, meeting a whole variety of people. Like it's, yeah. you know, we've met, you know, we've, we've met people who, you know, I've, I've met some very smart people. I've, I've met a couple of, you know, uh, people who, you know, I, I'm surprised that they're able to make it through everyday life. Um, you know, different backgrounds, different points of view, you know, different perspectives on how life works. I think those are the, those are the most interesting, um, you know, people in the game, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it is a niche. So as you thin out, you know, a population, you're, you know, you're, you're going to get more eccentricities. And, you know, I think, and I don't say that as a negative, I, right. I think that's a positive. Yeah. And like the first and last thing you said there, you know, you talked about like, you know, baseball and softball and then just, you know, it's a niche of a niche and you get more, um, you know, people with, you know, interesting idiosyncrasies and stuff uh, because of that. Um, like, you know, like, like, and you and I have talked about this a lot, but like, cause that's the interesting thing about wiffle ball. It's like, it's sort of almost like a junction of, um, you know, an athletic endeavor. And then also just sort of, yeah, like this, um, you know, hangout type thing. Um, and you know, you like, I think your experience of getting into wiffle ball, um, your, your experience of getting to wiffle ball, not to put words into your, you know, your mouth, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but like, you know, you were a baseball player, you were good, you know, you played on a very, very, very good high school baseball team, but you, you know, if you would have stuck with it, you still, I don't know what you think, but I, I think you still, you know, if circumstances were different, you would have, you know, you would have, you would have been a good player. You know, you're never going to be a good player probably in that, um, um, at that school and in that environment, but like the, you know, just sort of the, the structure of the baseball environment of the organized baseball environment wasn't for you. So in wiffle ball, you found, Hey, here's, I'm getting the competition and the athleticism. I, you know, the athletic competition that I want, you know, from sports, I'm a baseball fan, but it's in this more laid back, you know, environment where you've got your, you know, whenever I release my history of wiffle ball, you know, it, it's going to be called stoners, jocks, and steel workers. Cause that, um, that was a quote on the, um, Cincinnati uh, when the national championship tournament was hold, held in Cincinnati from 1995 to 1997 on their website, which funnily enough was wiffleball.com because it's it was that early in the internet that uh you could actually get wiffleball.com and you know the wiffleball corp hadn't got it yet. There was a quote from one of the players there that he said, you know, never before have I seen such a mix of uh I, I'm, I'm butchering the quote, but basically said basically paraphrase, he said, you know, never before have I you know, seen such a, you know, a mix of uh, stoners, jocks and steelworkers come together for this one event. And I've always loved that quote because that kind of encapsulates, you know, like what you get in wiffle ball. But at the end of the day, it still is, you know, it still is this great competition. And I think those two things of where you're getting this athleticism and you're getting this competition and you're getting that comp competitive thing. And then you are getting just all these different people from different backgrounds, not your usual athletes. That's what makes it sort of, you know, unique. Yeah. When like, you know, you, you described it when we got into it, you know, there was, at least for me, it was two prong. Yeah. To keep that baseball fix, you know, the whole, you know, I mean, to me, I, although I liked, I liked running and stuff, so that it wasn't so much of a big deal, but you know, it basically being a hit pitch field game, you still got to face fast pitching. you got to challenge yourself. And I'm like, I think the, you know, the other key thing was, you know, trying to be the best at something 
in a world where, you know, that still existed. Like in baseball, you know, I was never going to be, you know, I was never even going to be a top, you know, eight or nine player on my, you know, high school team. But here, even if it was maybe a little bit naively early on, there was always that, you know, assumption that, okay, well, we can get here, you know, just by, you know, by virtue of playing every single day, continuing to get better and then, you know, going to play all the other people and, you know, let, let things fall where they may, but like, that was, you know, I, I knew there was, you know, even if I kept playing in high school, there was nothing, I wasn't going to college to play baseball. So like that, that whole competitive drive, you know, was still there. It was just in a different environment and yeah, one that was less pressure filled. Yeah, and that, that's really interesting to me. I mean, in all the hour, all the thousands, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands, definitely tens of thousands of hours that you and I have talked about wiffle ball. I don't think I've heard you kind of describe it that way. I don't think I've heard anyone sort of describe it that way. But yeah, like that really is. Um, I think that really is sort of the key. Is like you know, because even if you think like playing softball or playing, you know, uh, you know, men's senior league baseball on the weekends, you're like you just said, you're never, you could do that and you're actually playing the actual thing, but you know, you're already kind of slotting yourself and you're never going to be at the top of this with wiffle ball. You know, you're, you're going into a different sport, but you have that opportunity to actually sort of be the best and and, and get to the top of it. Um, you know, which for basically everybody that plays that they weren't able to get to that in baseball. And I, yeah, I do think that is a big driver. It's, something that you and I have talked about in those, you know, hundreds of thousands of hours of talking about wiffle ball is just like sort of that. And I think it's different today, but sort of that weird like dichotomy that at least existed when we got back into it of like, we wanted to get into wiffle ball competitive fast pitch wiffle ball. Cause we, you know, we're talking about 1997, 1998, you know, to date ourselves, you know, long, long, long fucking time ago. Um, we wanted to get into it because it looked cool and competitive and like, we wanted to be the best at it. And like, we knew those guys were very, very good that we were going to get into. And like, there was this weird, just sort of like almost cognitive dissonance of like, okay, the, you know, this is cool because these guys are really, really good. Oh, but also we can definitely be <laughs> like, that. that's a weird, like only. Yeah. One. And like, yeah. When, you know, this is 1997, 1998. There are zero videos on the internet, right? You know, before we went to our first tournament, you know, I guess in my head, I had some vision of, you know, what things would be. I mean, we had two pretty good pitchers, you know, Justin threw very hard. So like, I was like, well, if, you know, if if every team is throwing as hard as he is, well, then there's going to be a lot of good teams, but like, you know, until you actually went there, there was no scouting. There were, you know, there there weren't like, we got a VHS tape of like footage in like 1999 or early 2000. And like, that was, you know, almost Holy Grail-ish at that point. So like you didn't, you know, and it, it, you know, everyone, I don't want to say everyone was so spread out, but like, since there was such a loose association with everything, you didn't go to one tournament and see everyone who was good. In fact, you know, more or less, you, you know, probably didn't see, you know, three fourths of everyone that you may have heard of. And, you know, that just, I think that added, 
that added a mystique that worked for me, but that's not something that I would want if I was coming into the game today. Like I'd be much, I think it'd be much not easier, but much different coming into today's game with all of the resources that were available. And like, I mean, you know, just a, a real side thing here, but like, to, you know, go back to the no video thing. You know, we've talked many times about I'd kill to have, you know, just a, just an original iPhone to tape stuff. Yeah. You know, those games back then, because like, you know, that would have been absolutely amazing. That's all gone to time. So like it's yeah, it, it, it's just interesting. And like um, it took us. I don't know, it feels like it took us like three or four years to really four years, probably to see like you know, a good 90% of the good players. And like, that's the, that's the thing. Like in 1998, there's a team out of Delaware called the Brown Hornets. And they were one New of Jersey, the first, New, Jersey. New Jersey. And they were one of, oh, they played it. They beat yeah. team at the Delaware tournament. They, um, they were one of the first teams to beat team Trenton. It was like in an indoor tournament. It was like a 14, 15 inning game. And, you know, so they got, you know, rightfully so a lot of hype. They were gone play. They were done playing by like early 99. We never got to see them. We never got to see any of those guys. They, they, they played summer showdown 99. And I think that was it. And to be honest, oh, that's know. right. But they weren't even, they weren't in our bracket. I don't even No, They were over at Papone the whole time. I think so. I, I think, but yeah, like we never got to see them. Um, but that, and that happened a lot like that, yeah. you know, like, a team like the PA cards, no one knows those guys today, but like they were, you know, they, they were a team that people knew were good. They were kind of almost like a gatekeeper team. If you could beat them, you were probably, you know, you were probably a little bit above average. If you didn't, couldn't beat them yet, you were probably a little bit below average, but they were also, you know, that team was very much a character team of, you know, a lot of big personalities. They very much, you know, were there to drink um, and party. Uh, you know, wiffle ball was, you know, honestly, if 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 it was dark the whole time and there was no, you know, daylight to play wiffle ball games, you know, I think they would have been fine just, you know, partying, you know, the whole time. Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's the beauty of it. Is, is, is people come for all different uh, reasons, but you know, like. And but but the one common factor is still there is still that compa- like I'm I'm I can't think of a team maybe you can off the top of my head that like was you know some guys like say hey we're just here to have fun blah 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 and and a lot of times it's you know it, it really is true like the PA cards would would probably say that it's probably true um, but even in the PA cards there's still that com- there's still that competitive thing I think we saw it once or twice I think that Shemokin tournament in 2000 when we played was that 2000 uh, 2001. 2001, the smoking tournament, we played them. Um, do we what, do we win that in nine innings? What, what was yeah, that? Yeah, we won that in nine innings. Yeah, on total basis, but like they got competitive in that. Like that, that was like the first time I saw. It. Like so, I still think I'm, I still think you know, like that's always sort of the underlying factor. But yeah, it's just you know, you got you got guys that come for all different reasons. And like you know, it was interesting. You know, when we started, you know, one of the funny things that you were you and. Dan were, you know, against a, a bunch of stuff early on um, <laughs> that, you know, I tried to bring to the table in terms of, oh, this is, you know, this is how the game's supposed to go. Dan, you know, he couldn't believe that we weren't using anything other than the yellow bat. And I'm like, 
yellow bat, you know, stinks. We've got this great <laughs> piece of aluminum from, you know, a guy out in uh, Illinois that, you know, will dent if you hit the back stop. But, um, you know, the other thing was, you know, in 97, we named, you know, I named our thing, the Maryland state championship. And then in 98, the Maryland Football Association and you, you know, rightfully so from like a practical standpoint, we're like, well, you know, how can we say that we're the Maryland Football Association? And like, well, we could say it because there isn't any and we're, you know, trying to, you know, trying to make it become something. And like initially, you know, finding teams in the Maryland area was a little bit slower. It was either you know, not so great teams that we were just able to sign up for one reason or another. But, you know, as things kept going, you know, you had the green turtle from Laurel, Maryland, which, you know, again, those guys are, you know, uh, you know, Joe Dugan. Yeah, the PA card, yeah, the archetype. Is, yeah, is, is quite a character. Then you had the no Johnnies from, you know, the Eastern shore, like, you know, more rural, you know, beyond like Salisbury where like no one lives. Um, and, you know, Everett Sykes was, you know, a really good player to the point that he was beating people in 2000 at like the initial USPPA tournaments by himself. And, you know, you, you just, you, you know, I, like I had no idea, you know, we were only going to find a handful of teams, but those handful of teams were going to be pretty good. They're going to come from like different backgrounds. They're going to, you know, come from different, not playing styles, but like just, you know, where they, how they found the game and how they became good at it and what they wanted out of it. And, you know, that was, that was interesting. And I, you know, I kind of think like, well, if we didn't, you know, if the game didn't start to become centralized, you know, in 2001 ish, you know, if we, if we, wouldn't have been able to find even more Maryland teams um, and, and figure that out. But like, that's, you know, that again, like another team that wasn't very good, but like, you know, always stood out was like the Baltimore bees. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you describe their pitcher. He's, I don't know, at least six foot, maybe six, one, six, two. And the, and the guy usually wore like khaki shorts and, you know, didn't throw, you know, really didn't throw hard. Um, but I can't talk shit because they beat us in 1998. So, well, I mean, um, they, they, there, yeah, their key to success was so, like, yeah, it was, it was like, a, I don't know, but my, I'm going to say he was like 40 ish, but like trying to think everyone's, you know, when I was, I would have been, you know, 14, 15 when we were playing these guys. So everyone, everyone seems ancient when you're 14 or 15, but I think this guy was like 40 ish. And then it was like his, and yeah, like you said, he was tall, you know, wore glasses and I'm not picking, you know, I'm a, I'm a proud glasses wearer, so I'm not picking on him for that, but always wore yeah, khaki shorts. Didn't not look like an athlete at all. It's his friend. So looks similar. And then like his teenage son, you know, who also <laughs> looks similar. And like the funny thing about the, and, but like they could beat you. Like you said, they beat us because they would just throw this, like, this like law pitch at Wiffle Ops that, you know, he perfected enough. Like when I say law pitch, like I'm legitimately saying he threw a like, 10 feet in the air, right? Like 50. Oh feet. yeah. Yeah. I mean, it had more of an arc than softball. I mean, it was, it, it was the exact opposite reason we got into playing. Yeah. You know, I, you it, know, I didn't want to face that. And of course that was the thing that, you know, we could, you know, we could kind of hit the good pitchers, but we couldn't hit him at all. Cause it was, 
ridiculous. And, and we weren't the only ones. We saw like there was one Philly wiffle up, and these guys are from Baltimore. So they were, they were usually went to the Baltimore and Philly ones. There's one Philly wiffle up, like, you know, we weren't playing in that game. This was this was a couple of years later. This is like 2001, 2002. Um, you know, I thought there was I thought a fist fight was gonna break out because the team they were playing, you know, the guy was just throwing this 15 foot, you know um lob pitch in the air and somehow hitting the zone the guy's like there's no way i can hit this you got to throw you know otherwise it's like hey they're 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 flying within the rules they're doing it um but yeah like you know in 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 like and that's it it, you know teams like you know that um i think it is you know go back to your you know point you're reading before it's like i think it is harder for them to get in now because like you do know what's happening. Everything is a little more, it's hard to just find those tournaments besides some, you know, charity tournaments and stuff, but that was always going to happen. Like, you know, the, the you Oh know. yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. That, that was the path things were going down and it wasn't a bad thing. It was just like, you know, it was, it was just, it was just interesting. Cause like, you know, when you were draw, it, it was funny in 98 and 99, you know, we were drawing, you know, above 50 percent of our teams from out of state right um in fact and that's probably a higher number and like that was but that was the landscape it was um you know back then when everyone was running tournaments hey i'll come to your tournament if you come to mine and that was like the reciprocation and that like that 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 helped build you know that helped make a tournament in 1998 that we charged $50 for and had no cash prize, you know, have 12 teams and have players fly in from multiple States and, you know, made it, made it very interesting. And like, yeah, I don't, I mean, those today, those events don't exist. There's no Shemokin. There's no, you know, um, Maryland football tournaments in Gaithersburg. There's, you know, there's no North Jersey, Kevin Alvine tournaments. There's no John Wynn up in Connecticut. Um, you know, again, not a, I'm not saying that's a, a detriment to the game today. It's just, yeah, there's a, it's a little bit harder to get that, you know, barrier to entry. Well, and, and I wouldn't say that it's, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it, we're talking about 25 years ago, which is, you know, not legitimately a lifetime ago, but a really, really long time ago where, you know, the world has changed in so many different ways and everything is so much more interconnected now. So everything's contextual. Like that has always been, you know, a, 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 a um, annoyance of you and I, and I think it's part of an annoyance of a lot of people, you know, both in and out of wiffle ball, just, you know, oh, well, you know, you, you, you pick an area, era, you pick a, um, you know, time, you, you know, and you say things were, you know, we're, you know, we're great here. This is where it was best. Um, and, but, but it's not true. It's just, everything's contextual. Um, you know, and it was just, it was the context of that situation where we were emerging into a world where, you know, the home internet and, and things like that were becoming, um, widespread, you know, so, you know, for the first time you could find these things out of, you could find these niche things first time, you know, it's really, that's what the internet has done, right? It's allowed, you know, these sort of niche people from all these people of niche interests from all over the place to find each other. That was the first time it was happening. Now that's, now that's completely just our culture. Everything is niche now, um, you know, which is great in its own ways. Um, you know, and then with wiffle ball, you know, what you get there is, you, you know, you see everyone right away. It's just like there you had no other choice, right? You had to just pick your friends and just go to a tournament if you were going to do it here, you have a choice and you can find players on, you can find players, you know, out there that like, um, 
you know, like that on the rise team, you know, always kind of interests me that, you know, and I hope they kind of stick it out this year and play like where, you know, these are, you know, these are kids that had never played in a tournament before, you know, they played in like local leagues or not even in leagues or they play in tournaments, but not, you know, they did play in a couple of MLW tours and stuff like then It's just like, okay, when we go to our first tournament, I already know this kid because he's my friend on the internet. We already know about these other people because we watch their YouTube videos. Let's just get them and let's go. It's just a completely different situation. Neither, neither is better than the other. It's just you need the people running the game to recognize the, the context of the situation and try to build the stuff around that. Oh, yeah, totally. And, like, I mean, I, I didn't know if you were going to go down this road either, but, like, just like anything that evolves to, you know, especially with how fast technology grows and how much better you know food is and all of that stuff you know every year that passes you know people just continue to get better and better and like we're at you know we're at a point where you know no one well at least no one who's got half a brain you know can tell me that people who are you know you know the 30 major league baseball teams in 2023 you know wouldn't kick the shit out of you know a late 70s early 80s team and that's you know that's how it feels like with wiffle ball it just you know it, it keeps getting you know better and better you've got better equipment you've got you know better training regiments you got you know like when we looked to the side of the box to figure out how to throw pitches, you know, before, before we got enough experience to like, you know, experiment and stuff, but there was, we couldn't just go pull up a YouTube video with different grips and stuff and how to scuff and all that. And, you know, it's, that's just, you know, that that's very interesting to me too. And that's why, like, um, I think that's one of the more interesting parts about, you know, being around for so long is, you know, we've seen a bunch of different phases and, you know, I mean, you know, from a, like, I don't know what standpoint this would be, but, you know, there would, there would definitely be reasons why I'd want to say, oh, well, the good old days were, you know, 2002, 2003, when, you know, if you're really looking at it objectively, you know, the best stuff is being played today. And just continues to get better and better. That doesn't mean players from the past wouldn't be able to succeed here. Um, it just means the overall grasp of the game just continues to get better. And it's and it's and it's and it's because of all the reasons you mentioned is that the access to stuff like you know knowing how to being able to just get on the internet and being able to get loads and loads of tutorials on how to scuff on how to knife. You know, you being able to see pictures so clean, being able to, you know, to see all this different stuff, um, you know, just the, 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 the training that's like, you know, not the training that's available to you in the off season and stuff too. Like, you know, obviously you have to have the motivation to do it, but like just the stuff that's available now, you know, mini wiffle ball pitching machines, you know, there's a lot more indoor places where you can play just all that stuff, you know, and again, wiffle ball is no different in this regard to anything else just makes it makes it more accessible, you know, allows you allows the players to, you know, to, uh, to become better quicker. Like the only way we, you know, were able to improve was literally, you know, we, we did some, we, we did some of the stuff that, you know, people can still do today of just, you know, playing in the 
driveway with your friends and stuff, but it was, you know, it was just traveling to tournaments and literally taking four years to get better. And, you know, it wasn't even just getting better. It was, you know, learning all those little tips. It was, you know, this will be illegal now, but it was, you know, Lou Worthington, you know, showing Dan how to, you know, hit the ball with the, the, a mallet to, you know, to kind of break it in quicker. It was, you know, you had to like, you know, you had to be around people to you know, say, to look at their scuff and be like, okay, here's how I should scuff for them to show you. And you just have all that information right away now. And that's why. Yeah. Players are good. No, I mean, Tom Lacassio used to run, you know, up to the mound and for like a year and a half, that was, legal until you know until people were like no that's not how that's that's not the spirit of you know having your foot on the rubber you know really is we had you know like i like i talked about you know i said earlier the bats i mean you know if we had a bat that was a loco quality in 1998 you know at the very least we would have at least seemed like better hitters in practice um you know, that was, you know, but that stuff didn't exist. Yeah. And, and, and that's, a, you know, to kind of like wrap this up here, like, I, I think that's the one thing that the one potential negative of the current environment that I, you know, I hope doesn't, uh, you know, I, I hope um, kind of break through is like, and again, this isn't exclusive to wiffle ball. This is just, you know, the current, um, you know, context, you know, of, of, of this era, you know, and everything being niche and but everything also, not everything being niche, but also everything having access to everything is it's a lot easier, I think, for things to just kind of sort of become the standard and for innovation to stop. You know, like, you know, what a coil used to call these called science fair bats and stuff. Um, yep. the people would just show up with like, you know, whatever homemade bat they came with, but like that's how that's how innovation happens, right? Like, that's how that's how stuff gets you know, better. You're talking about Tom running up to the to the rubber to pitch. People now would be like, you know, what is this guy doing? This is completely, you know illegal this is stupid this is not how the game's played but it's like okay well well you know but like why like you know what i mean like like, like why like like i like understand why they got rid of that because it isn't in line with baseball and it is kind of a weird thing but like we didn't kind of buy an eyelash on on that you know it's like i think i think a lot of stuff has got to become so standard that you know you need the Tom Gannons of the world to keep, you know, sort of pushing people and being like, you know, and thinking of these outside the box ideas that, you know, even if 90% of them don't get, <laughs> don't come to fruition of just, you know, sort of pushing the envelope there. Cause like, that's, you know, you talked about the metal bats and stuff, you know, it's funny that Coyle said science for bats. Cause he literally, he literally made the ledge legend King stick because he, you know, he looked at an umbrella. Um, what would you call that pole? I guess aluminum pole yeah, table umbrella yeah a table umbrella stand you know pole and you know and thought oh this could be a, a bad and kind of you know went from it from there and that's a science fair project as you can get maybe just projecting a little bit um but like you know like, like you know we need that kind of stuff and we need because wiffle has sort of become very kind of i think it's actually gotten better in the last few years to you become not so you know um homogeneous or you know or um you know the same across the board and i think a lot of that has been like the mixing of you know the midwest and stuff but like you know it it still is kind of um things have become kind of standard and you know um you can always use that innovation you know for these, you know there's so many characters and so many off-the-wall people in will football that you know that probably have ideas that go outside the box um you know i think we need to find ways to kind of um you know encourage those people to bring those things to the fourth, right? 
Yeah, no, totally agree. The last thing I'll say is like, um, you know, if people today, the original moonshot bat that, you know, came out was, you know, it was a hundred bucks in, you know, 1999. What'd you say? Yeah. I said, what year is it? But you said 1999. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, 99. So a hundred bucks, which is like, you know, 200 today. It was, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit bigger than their yard stick version, but you know, at the time when it came out, it was by far the best bat that we had, even though it was still, you know, a little bit too skinny and, you know, it's, you know, it's funny how like moonshot, you know, like we were saying with everything else, they stabilized and found their product pretty quickly. Like there really hasn't been a lot of changes to that bat lineup in the last 10 to 15 years other than like minor upgrades you know possibly to the material and stuff it's still that you know but it's kind of like i and like i talked about this in the past but like 1850s baseball and those rules and that equipment and all that stuff it doesn't look anything like today's game but like once you got to about 1920 you know for the most part that's the same game that's being played today Yep. Yeah. And, 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 and things will, you know, things will, the, uh, the game will tell you when it's kind of stabilized, um, you know, cause it's, it's not that it's not that in 1920s people were just like, okay, this is, this is perfect or exactly where we need to be. Let's just, you know, stop here. There were still people innovating or whatever, but like the game stabilized to the point where the idea, the innovative ideas, you know, really had to be solid and good, like a DH, like, you know, or, or, or a necessity like lowering the mound, you know, after pitching the came too dominant. Um, you know, that that's gonna happen with Wiffle Ball. So I think Wiffle Ball is we're about you know 30 plus 35 years about 34, 33, 34 in the competitive game. Um, you know, it's kind of getting to that point where it's you know, um where it's gonna be like 1920s baseball just incremental improvements and it'll be interesting to see what the future holds and hopefully people keep you know keep trying to innovate and stuff and try try to test current ideas and try to push back against norms because just because it's the norm doesn't mean it's the way going forward so yeah no totally agree it's definitely interesting to see what you know happens over here over the next decade um i think think it'll be pretty interesting i think the game could you know really move in directions that we don't see both good and bad all right totally okay yeah so i i i think we made it through this uh sort of off the competition of holy commutes pretty well um and that wraps us up for january this is just a three-week season i believe next week we'll be releasing the uh, national ripple annual awards that's why this is cutting off a little bit earlier Uh, only three week season instead of four week season but the uh Tim Dean will be in tomorrow, and then we'll have a full week this week here on Holy Commutes, and then, like I said, the uh, National Liberal Award to next week, and, and then the show returns in April, um, you know, right around the time the Liberal season should be picking up. So for uh, Tim, I'm Paul Cook, we will see everyone in April.